Dr. Rutendo Huindingui is the founding director, Tribe Africa Advisory, the author of Rumble in the Jungle Reloaded and wearing a revolutionary cap <laughs> with a rumble in the jungle uh, emblazoned all over it. Uh, You've got merch! <laughs> You gotta fake it to make it, Bruce. You gotta fake it to make no, you it. Gotta, you gotta display your wares. That's what you gotta do. That's what you gotta do. Well, it's a very nice cap. Now, listen, Uganda, this dreadful school attack, these flippin' school attacks are so awful. Uh, suspected attack by a group called ADF, Allied Democratic Forces. It's the biggest in Uganda since 2010. Then it was a, an ISIS linked organization called Al Shabaab that carried out bombings in Kampala. And uh, without doing away with the hum human tragedy of this, it does seem to be all about money. This is this region in Uganda's incredibly rich in minerals. Yeah, Bruce, it's quite a sad story. And, um, you know, I think just also f from my side, uh, I for the, uh, sort of half of my high school years, I learned at a rural school similar to to where these young people were in the rural areas. So in terms of infrastructure, it's quite low. Uh, it's quite vulnerable. Uh, yeah. People go their basic needs. So when something like that happens, you know, people don't have a 911 to dial for ADT or for the police. So it's quite atrocious. But just to give some sort of economic context as well, in terms of why I think there's going to be a challenge in terms of resolving the issue, first and foremost, uh, the ADF, believe it or not, uh, were actually supported by the DRC uh, country, some years ago uh, in terms of reducing the impact or the influence of Rwanda and um, Uganda in the region. Uh, it's a mineral-rich region, that eastern part of the DRC, yeah. so obviously there was a bit of a battle there. But it just highlights the point again. I think the first lesson is that a lot of these political decisions and the impact that they have long-term, with, uh, with, because now both three, all three governments are actually fighting the, the rebels. Another key thing to note is that it's a mineral-rich area, so um, the rebels own probably, it's estimated, 50% of that mineral wealth or control 50% of the mineral wealth in the region and they use terrorism in order to maintain and, and, and sustain that, that, that wealth so it's quite a, a sad story and unfortunately I don't think we've seen, seen the last of it and I think the key thing is that hopefully uh, peace will come in the region. But where this who do, we, the smoke? Who, do we know who these allied democratic forces are? Do we know who's behind them? Do we know who's funding them? Do we know what the motivation is? I mean, that's very not yeah. allied, yeah. good, yeah. democratic, yes, yeah. forces, not so good. But yeah. sometimes people you know, pick up arms to pick up a justified fight when you're attacking schools and killing kids. Yeah. Nothing justifies that, I'm afraid. I think, you know, it's how long is a piece of string? I mean, it's, it's, all, it's linked to ISIS, so you've got that whole, still, uh, okay. it's the, the, the ISIS element that's linked to it. Uh, the motive, I think, ultimately is just the amount of wealth that's in that region and the control that's going through that region is absolutely phenomenal. As I said, 50% of the mineral wealth and industry in the DRC is controlled by the rebels. So there's no doubt that uh, there's, there's a longer term um, vision or motivation around it. In terms of the specifics, uh, again, it goes into the whole value, ch value chain of terrorism in the world. You know, you've got ISIS, you've got all those elements, you've got maybe elements of, from Uganda, from Rwanda, from the DRC. It's a mixed concoction. Unfortunately, the people who suffer are the ordinary people on the ground, Bruce. And in yeah, this case, always. it's 41 young men and women who've, 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 uh, who face the brunt of these evil forces. Yeah, it's dreadful. On to a, a much happier story. Yeah. Uh, and Kenya is doing so much, so much right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there's this phenomenal trade deal that they've announced with the European Union. Yeah. 
getting zero-rated Kenyan goods into the European Union. I mean, yeah. that's a smart deal. That's a big thing. That's huge. A, it's a big thing in many fronts. I think, first of all, we've seen, I think, about this time last year, remember, uh, or about two years ago, Kenya again secured another trade deal with the U.S. Uh, uh, so maybe there's something we can learn from there, from South Africa. We've got a goer. <laughs> we've got, for now, we've got a goer. For now. A goer's a goer. But with this new trade deal, it, I think w- one of the key elements is, if you look at the numbers, uh, in 2022, 3.61, 3.61 billion U.S. dollars of trade happened between Kenya and the EU. It's their second biggest trading partner in the world. Uh, it's estimated uh, that probably 70 percent of Kenyan roses so next time you see a rose uh, probably there's a good chance it came from Kenya has gone to the EU so substantial growth but I think most significantly with this deal besides the zero rated um, goods going into, into into the EU market which is 28 markets in total the other big thing is that which is quite significant is that it's value added goods that are going there. So if you look at the whole industrialization story in Africa with the AFCFTA, um, Kenya is now looking at bringing in the rest of the EAC community into this deal. So there's a sort of a ripple effect, a positive domino effect that's happening in regards to this. So it's quite exciting and a big thing, not just for, for the Kenyan market, but for EAC and I guess in terms of the industrialization story for, for Africa as a whole. So I'm really looking forward in terms of uh, what's going to come out of that and the impact it's going to make on the economy in, from an African perspective, specifically from the East, East, East African market. No, exactly right. And I mean, the more trade deals like this that we can do that give access to African goods and services and products, yeah. or African products, um, that are gr- homegrown. Yeah. Um, some, we were just chatting to Feldskun earlier to Nick Dreyer, and he's you know, in 32 countries. And yeah, sure. the, the not, so yeah, Nick Dreyer and his, and his business partner will be doing well in the little, uh, the business of Feldskun will be doing well. But the, the entire supply chain, the guys who make the laces, yeah. the people who, who grow the animals that make yeah. the, the, the turn into the leather that is cured and then stitched and made into shoes and the distribution networks, all of those beautiful things that Make happen a when a product is created that everybody wants is is nothing short of astonishing. Beyonce's World Tour, this is like baseball uh, baseball's World Series. Uh, it happens only in America. Uh, Beyonce is going beyond America for her World Tour, but just unfortunately for our African fans, will be coming nowhere near here, and in that lies a lesson for us, I guess. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I mean, I was just following an interesting article, but the question was why isn't Beyonce coming to Africa? And everybody would love Beyonce to come into Africa. Uh, and I'm sure you and I, Bruce, can get front row seats and do a bit of a jig when we're there. You know uh, what? I will save her the pain. <laughs> I'll save her the pain. I was just trying my luck. But, uh, you know, just to put some numbers into context, then you begin to understand the the business model behind it because I think that's what counts. And you must also look at it from that perspective because Africa, as much as we've got a great population, a great uh, popularity demand for, for Beyonce and the music, uh, I think ultimately you need to look at the numbers. So uh, the the current tour that she's doing, I think it's called the Renaissance World Tour, where she's toured in Europe. Uh, it's estimated that tour alone, I don't know how many countries she's doing, but multiple cities, is, she's probably going to make plus or minus 300 million US dollars, uh, which is a nice chunk of change. Now, Africa's music industry, I was just looking at some numbers given by, it's called the IFPI, the International Federation of Phonographic industry. Phonographic, not photographic. Phonographic, uh, for, absolutely. Yeah. Be his, careful of that T and that N. Uh, his, ma- <laughs> his master's voice, absolutely. <laughs> 
Just here. to make sure it remains in context. But it gives it says that the size of the music industry in 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 Africa, I think twenty one year twenty one twenty two was three billion US dollars. Um, that's the size of the music industry. Uh, it's expected the streaming industry in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three will be three hundred million US dollars. So just so in other words, what she's making alone on this tour is plus or minus the equivalent or ten percent of the music industry in the whole of Africa. So in other words, yeah. if we're going to draw a person like Beyonce to come into the African market and make a significant impact, uh, where we got the economy to support that. If she does, then that's all good. And she did come, I think, some years ago. Um, she did make a significant impact. But when you look at the numbers, you look at uh, the demand and supply, then from, from their side, it's, guys, it's going to be a huge sacrifice. And if you look at the ticket prices for these chaps, oh yeah, yeah. I, they just the ticket prices are huge because this is a huge logistical exercise. It's cost of hundreds of people yeah. that travel. 100%. Um, it, it's it's like doing a peace mission yeah. to Ukraine. Um, you have to take all your own equipment. You with don't connect you. through Poland, others you, you miss the show. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you you've got to do this stuff properly. Have we damaged our reputation? Do you think? Sorry, just on that point. I'm ah, on to more serious things. Know, Beyonce is very nice, but uh, it it did seem to be. A, a somewhat of a, a, a logistical embarrassment. Yeah, I think it's a challenge, and I think it's a, it, it's, it's a perception of also what's going to happen in the future. I think already it's 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 it's, it's traffic lights. It's a traffic light warning in terms of uh, if we're going to make a certain stand, the world is going to or parts of the world. Let me not say the whole world. Parts of the world are going to to stand in a different way. So uh, our reputation is at stake, uh, and I think challenges like what happened in Poland are going to happen more frequently. It's how we're going to navigate through them. That's going to be a big thing. Uh, but just going to Beyonce, just to add oh, okay. one. one Yes. Just one important thing to is that <laughs> if, if we're going to attract uh, uh, shows like Beyonce to come to Africa, then we're going to need more than the single ladies. Uh, we're going to yeah. need the single men. I hope you get that. No, so absolutely. All the single ladies, all the single men, everybody. <laughs> somebody has to pay for the tickets. Um, and, yeah. and again, can we expect these international superstars to then travel to countries like that us. are like us who we don't have the GDP we don't have we can't yeah. pay for the tickets uh, we don't really pay for the musical yeah. ways that we consume because a lot of it is pirated and and you and and, and, and nicked uh, and we also are not covering ourselves in glory um, in terms of our geopolitical stance and so again there is a risk you know uh, what did some of the rock stars say in the 1980s we don't play Sun City because they knew that Sun well, City was yeah. just a foil yeah. in those days for the apartheid state? No, that's, that's that's a true point. I think it does create a risk. But on the other side of the coin, uh, bearing in mind that according to the IFPI, the IFPI again, uh, the greatest growth of streaming music in the world is actually in Africa. The year on year, I think, at the moment, it's standing at about 34.1%, whereas other countries are averaging, or other regions are averaging across to 10 to 20%. So as much as there's a... But when I say Africa again, I'm talking about Africa. Well, from a South Africa perspective, your point is valid. If we don't sort out our political issues, uh, it is going to have a negative impact across all industries. So we mustn't take that away. And that's why I hate homogenizing everything, mm. because when you look at it from a country-to-country country perspective, we're not the same as in Nigeria in terms of our international relations right now. So it's a very valid point that mm. you bring, Bruce. Rutendo, thank you very much indeed. It's Dr. Rutendo Huindingwe with a cool cap, who is the author <laughs> of Rumble in Kedis the Jungle. Of my wife. Reloaded. Did you make it? <laughs> <laughs> I made a birthday cake out of my first book. Well, not out she? of my first book. Yeah, I'll show you pictures. Not too shabby. Hey, Not yeah. too shabby at all. We stuck a knife into it. It's delicious. <laughs>